Before we dive into the message today, I wanted to share with you some, some very important information about upcoming changes to our worship service times beginning in the new year. Uh, For several months now, our board of directors, our leadership team, our ministry directors have been talking about and praying about changing our service times from 9.30 and 11 a.m. to 9 and 11 a.m. So if you normally come to this service, doesn't affect you uh, that much. We'll do that. Uh, We're making that change on Sunday, January 7th, the first Sunday, uh, back from Christmas Eve in the new year. We are not having worship service on December 31st. We are providing an online, a short online devotional for you to engage in that day, and then we'll return on Sunday, January 7th with our new service times. But I didn't want to just tell you what we were doing without telling you a little bit why we are doing it. There's really three significant reasons why we feel led to make this change. And there's three words, care, connection, and communion. When our two services are so close together as they are now, it is often difficult for us to have the space to individually serve the needs of people in our church that might need some pastoral care or counseling to happen Uh, in between first and second service. It also limits our time for connection and community together. When we got those short amount of time between services, we are, you may not recognize this, but for those of us who are staff and volunteers, we are often rushing to get this place cleared out between services, turn the parking lot over, check all the kids out of kids' ministry, reset the kids' ministry rooms, reset hospitality, reset the worship center, then get our new volunteers signed in, our kids, our kids checked back into kids' ministry, and everybody back here in the room. And that short window between services can limit the time that our staff and volunteers have for pastoral care, but also for connection and community with one another. So by spreading our services out, it just provides for us some space to better do that. And then the last reason why we're doing it, so we got care, connection, and then communion. And by that, I don't mean the Lord's Supper, although we will continue doing that in the services as well. I mean just having the space to commune with God. A little bit of breathing room in the service, where maybe we might have some time of reflection and prayer. Or maybe some specific prayer focuses in the service that we just don't always have time to do. Or maybe adding a closing song that would be appropriate for the day. It just provides us a little bit more flexibility to breathe, to pause, and to commune with God without the worry of that next service coming between the the two morning services. So on Sunday, January 7th, we are moving from 9.30 and 11 to 9 and 11, all right? So if you're gonna come to the morning service, make sure you come by nine o'clock. In fact, either service, you might consider coming a few minutes before we start and you'll be here on time. Let's pause, pray for a second and... Prepare for the Lord's word today. God, we thank you that we can just, we can laugh in church and have fun, but we can also 
have serious moments as well where we look into your word and, and allow you to speak to us. So Lord, would you just do that? Would you open your word? You tell us it's living and active. And so Lord, I pray every word we read from scripture would be alive in our hearts. Speak to us, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever had a time in your life where you were not alone, but you wished you were? Maybe you did something or said something embarrassing and you just wished there was nobody else around. There's a pastor that I worked with years ago that was doing a graveside memorial service for someone in his church. He was addressing the family and friends, the small group that was there in front of him. And then a few feet behind him was the freshly dug gravesite. Some of you can figure out where this is going. As he was talking to the family and friends, moving around a bit, he moved a little bit too far back, slipped, and fell into the grave. There's, there's no return from that. Like, you, you need help getting out so you cannot be alone, right? Amazingly, this same pastor, one Saturday afternoon, was doing yard work at his house. He was covered in sweat and grass and dirt when someone from the church called him. He answered and he heard, are you coming to the wedding? He forgot he was officiating a wedding that day, had to still get cleaned up, get a suit on, rush to the venue and face the family, the friends, the wedding party and the bride. And let me tell you, you wish you are alone in that moment. That might have been where I would just submit my resignation, but I don't know. That, that's hard to overcome. In moments like those and others that we've had personally, your greatest desire in life is to be alone. Now, it's one thing to not be alone and wish you were, but it's another thing altogether to actually be alone, to feel alone and wish you weren't, to battle loneliness and not know where to turn, what to do, or how to overcome it. Loneliness is one of those things that can come out during Christmas like an ugly Christmas sweater, which is the title of our series this month. Families are having their gatherings, friends are having parties, churches are having events, but in the midst of all the socializing, surrounded even by people, we, we can still feel completely and utterly alone, as if we are wearing loneliness like an ugly Christmas sweater. If I were to ask right now, don't raise your hand, okay? But if I were to ask, how many people today are struggling with loneliness I think we'd be shocked at how many people, if we're honest, would raise their hand. In May of this year, the U.S. Surgeon General released a new Surgeon General advisory calling attention to what he called the public health crisis of loneliness. It's a lengthy advisory. You can find it online. In it, he said this, even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Half of us. 
Then in an article in Forbes magazine, I believe following this advisory, this year the article came out, in an article on loneliness that they called the, the loneliness epidemic, Forbes magazine said this, young people aged 16 to 24 feel more lonely than any other age group, including people aged 65 and over. 73% of Gen Z report feeling alone sometimes or always. It's a strange paradox. Gen Z are hyper-connected in the virtual digital world, but they are socially disconnected. And here's why this matters so much. Along with many actual health risks they have discovered, physical health risks related to loneliness, Forbes shared these. Loneliness can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day, and people who experience social isolation have a 32% higher risk of early death. It's a serious issue. Now, the obvious answer to loneliness is having healthy human connection and community. This is why we highly encourage all people in our church to be in true biblical community with people where you can be real about what you're actually struggling with in life, maybe where you can even share with people who love you and care about you that you are battling loneliness in life. And that's almost where I went with this message today, uh, talking about the importance for us to live in community. But I felt like the Lord was leading us a little bit deeper today. Community and connection are necessary that they are necessary. It's part of the antidote we need to battle loneliness in life. It's one of the reasons why we're moving our, our service times to add more time for connection. But, but community and connection is not the only medicine. Community can't truly reach the deep soul level of the human heart and spirit. All of us, all of us, Battle with loneliness at some point. Even if you're surrounded by good, loving, kind, caring people, we can still struggle with loneliness. And giving you a warning here, be careful where you say amen in a service with this next statement. But you can even be married and struggle with loneliness. Marriage doesn't solve loneliness. Even great marriages can still be seasons where you battle loneliness. And if that's you, like you're, you're battling loneliness in life, like please let us know or let someone know. At the very least, we would be honored to pray with you and just be a listening ear. Maybe we might offer you some next steps you could take to, to help you battle with loneliness in your life. Like for some people, who are hearing this message today, your battle with loneliness might be so severe that you need the help of a professional to guide you through it. And we would not only encourage you to do that, but we have a great list of counselors that we trust, that we can connect you with, and we have financial resources available to help with the cost of those professional 
leaders in our life. That really is at the heart of the restore part of our vision here. To restore those who are battered, refuel the weary, and return to our lives with Jesus at the center, changing the world one life at a time. I just saw my counselor this last week to help me process and deal with all the things going on in in my life, like, please know there is nothing weak and nothing demeaning about getting help. Nothing. And so maybe that would be a next step for you. For now, though, I want to focus on this big idea for today as we go a little bit deeper than just community, and it's this. Overcoming loneliness is not only found in true relationships, It's found in remembering truths. Truths about God. Truths about Jesus and my identity in him. And I know that not everyone who is hearing this today would say they believe in God, at least not to the point of full surrender through faith in Jesus. And if that's you, like for whatever reason, maybe you struggle to to trust in and believe in God through Jesus because of your battle with loneliness. For whatever reason you may not believe, please know we love you so, so much. And you are so welcome in this place, whether you ever believe what we do about Jesus. I will tell you though, I fully believe that without Jesus, without surrendering leadership of my life to him by faith, I will never experience the deep heart and soul answer for my battle with loneliness. Even with Jesus, we battle loneliness. I can't imagine battling it without him. Community and connection goes a long way, but I can't truly reach the deepest parts of my soul. That's why I say overcoming loneliness is not only found in true relationships, it's found in remembering truths. So here's the big question we've got to try and answer today. What truths should I remember when I feel alone? What truths should I remember when I feel alone? We're going to find the answer to that in the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 139. We're going to look at the entire chapter. It's lengthy. And we've got some other scriptures we're looking at too. So wherever you need to follow along to lock in with what we are reading, your own Bible on the screens or in the message notes section of the Harbor app, I would encourage you to do that. King David is writing this psalm, the same King David that killed Goliath. And in my Bible, maybe in yours too, there's a header like a instructions before the psalm that says this was written for the choir director. So Psalm 139 is meant to be sung. So I'm going to invite Pastor Chris back out. We're going to sing this psalm. Just kidding, we're not doing that. First service, Chris panicked when I looked at his face. I go, you didn't tell me that. And trust me, you don't want me singing this psalm. So Psalm 139, starting in verse one. Oh Lord, you have exempt. Just kidding, we're not doing that. Now you know why I'm not singing the psalm. Psalm 139. Can you imagine singing this whole thing? Verse one says this. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. 
You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave or fall in one, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Isn't that an awesome passage? So here's the first truth I should remember when I feel alone. Number one is this. I can never escape from God's presence. I can never escape from God's presence. It's hard to drink out of my Santa mug, by the way, because the nose, like mine, is huge. (laughs) I can never escape God's presence. This is one of the greatest truths about God. It's one of the greatest truths about Jesus. And this is where the Christmas story intersects with our message today. In Matthew chapter one, God had already revealed him, himself uh, with, by an angel to Joseph and told Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child she is carrying is indeed God in the flesh, the Messiah, the king of the world. She has not been with another man as Joseph assumed she was, that she is still a virgin. And then it says this, Matthew 1, and 23. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. And then I found this curious. At the end of the earthly life of Jesus, after he had risen from the dead and right before he ascended into heaven, his final words to the disciples and to us were this, and I will be with you always. So the words at the beginning of his life And the words at the end of his earthly life were the same, I will be with you. I'm Emmanuel, God with us. I can never escape his presence. And as much as we know that, we we do up here as followers of Jesus, as much as you might be thinking, duh, Jeff, (laughs) Like, how easy is it for me to forget that? Like, for me, I'll speak for myself. When things are going really well, it's easy for me to believe God is with me, that he's present. I mean, obviously, he's with me because things are great. As if my level of satisfaction in life has anything to do with whether God's with me or not. 
that because I like how my life is going, that's proof God's with me? Pretty arrogant for me to believe that. When life feels like it's in the grave, when I feel like I'm surrounded by darkness, as Psalm 139 says, my belief in God's presence can so easily go out the window. Yet according to King David, God's presence is not determined by my problems or by my provision. God's presence is determined by his promises. I will be with you. I cannot escape God's presence. I may not always feel it, but I can have faith that I always have it because it's true. Both my wife and I, we are very big in our spiritual disciplines to speak truth statements into our hearts that are born from scripture every day. I now personally have a list of 246 truths based on scripture that on a rotating basis every day, I will speak some of these key truths into my heart and mind. Um, Or in a moment where I'm battling something specific, I might draw from one of these truths. And the reason we do this is because Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies, Jesus said. In fact, Jesus said, whenever Satan opens his mouth, he lies, for lying is his native language. And we, as, even as followers of Jesus, can fall for his lies at time. And the only way to overcome lies is with truth. And so there's some truth statements that we've built into our life based on scripture. One of them is this. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. It's based on Psalm 6. It's almost a direct quote from Psalm 16, verse eight, if you wanna look it up on your own. Overcoming loneliness is not only found in true relationships, it's found in remembering truths. So what truths should I remember when I feel alone? There's a hundred of them we could look at. But this first one, I can never escape God's presence. Number two, if God guided my past, he can guard my present. God guided my past, he can guard my present. Continuing on, verses 13 through 18 of our main scripture. Speaking about God, David says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This might seem like a a strange leap here, but hang with me, I think it'll make sense. I wanna focus this point here on fear. One of the times I know I can feel most alone is when I am most afraid or uncertain. 
Maybe I'm facing a big decision that I don't know what to make. Or maybe temptation during a a season feels like it's just on the increase. Or maybe I'm dealing with just a difficult person and don't know what to do. Or maybe there's a sickness or disease that's come against me or my family. It might be a task that that seems overwhelming or a risk I know that Jesus is asking me to to take whatever it is, the times where I personally seem to struggle with loneliness the most is when I'm most afraid. But here's a truth that I am still learning to apply to my life based on the verses we just read, and it's this. If God was there when I was formed, then he is there when I'm afraid. If he was there when I was formed in utter seclusion, before my mom even knew there was a baby, or in my case, two babies inside that belly. If God nipped me together in the dark of the womb, if he was there when I was formed, he's there when I'm afraid. Or as the sermon point says, if God guided my past, he can guard my present. Again, it's amazing for me how quickly I can seem to forget that when faced with something that causes me fear, I forget how God provided for me in the past. That I can actually trust God's future presence and his future power based on past performance. He has never failed me, ever. We sang it. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. You have never failed me yet. And I'm not saying that that means there's nothing ever in life difficult or painful that we have to face. Again, for some people, the very reason you struggle to trust in God is because of something you experienced in your past. So so I'm not saying we will never have to walk through something difficult or painful What I am saying is that when we do, not only is he present with us, but he guards and protects our hearts in the process. That physically I can be in danger while spiritually I can be secure. He promises that. Fear is something that I've battled with for a long time. It's one of the things that I've probably worked through the most with Jesus in any counseling that I've done. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear for my wife and my kids and their well-being, fear for the church, fear of letting people down, fear of letting God down. For a season in my life, I had a very, very unhealthy fear of death. The church that we had pastored previously, we went through a string of like a number of different very young people who passed away, even children. And the enemy used that to convince me that I was next. And several years ago in a season where I was crippled with fear, through great counseling, God led me to a promise that has become an anchor for my soul. It's the one verse I probably quote the most in life and even in messages since then, I would say it's my favorite verse in all of scripture. It's Isaiah 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. 
Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And God has proven that again and again and again in my life. So much so that I've taken that verse and made it one of my own statements of truth that I speak into and over my life. I worded it this way. God's presence with me overwhelms all fear that is in me. He is my God, so I am encouraged. He strengthens me and helps me. He holds me up with his victorious right hand. Overcoming loneliness is not only found in true relationships, it's found in remembering truths. So what truths should I remember when I feel alone? I can never escape God's presence. It's the best promise in scripture. Some of the most powerful four words, I am with you. Then if God guided my past, he can guard my present that If he was there when I was formed, he's there when I'm afraid. Number three, because God knows my heart, he can lead me on the right path. Because God knows my heart, he can lead me on the right path. In the last two verses of our main scripture, verse 23 and 24, King David ends with this simple but beautiful prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And he does. We read earlier in the psalm that God knows everything about me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And as I was working on this message, I realized that one of the places I think we can feel the most alone is when we are trying to walk the path that leads to everlasting life because not everybody's walking that path. Now, I have the great privilege of working for a church. And so on most days, I'm working with people walking the same path. That was funnier than you responded. (laughs) On most days, I'm working with people at the church who are walking the path of everlasting life because we've all got our moments. But I know for many of you, you are working or living in environments where you might be the only person trying to follow Jesus. And it's super easy at times to just go with the flow, to not walk the path of everlasting life because the current of culture pushes against the pathway of life. And so it's easy to get swept away just with where everyone else is going. It's not as lonely on that road. Jesus even said something similar in very sobering words in Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. Jesus said this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. The highway to hell is filled with people. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. 
the road to everlasting life, the path of life can oftentimes be a lonely one because sometimes you might be the only person walking that path. But even when I feel alone in walking that path, I can remember that because God knows my heart, he can lead me on the right path. That even when no one else is with me, he alone knows what next step I need to take. And not only does he reveal it, but he's right there with me when I take it. Because he knows my heart, he can lead me on the right path. Overcoming loneliness is not only found in true relationships, it's found in remembering truths. So what truths should I remember when I feel alone? I can never escape God's presence. If God guided my past, he can guard my present. And because God knows my heart, he can lead me on the right path. And I wanna pause for a moment and just let God search our hearts. You can just simply ask Jesus to speak to you and he can and will. But here's a couple of leading questions you might consider. Where in my life, asking Jesus this, do I need to be most aware of your presence? What fears am I facing that I need to invite your presence into that space? And what parts of my life are keeping me from the path of everlasting life? For some of us, you might have an answer immediately. There's a, there's a part of life that you've not invited the presence of God into to be most aware. For some of us, there's a fear that you've been battling alone and you've not allowed Jesus into that fear. And for some of us, we might be involved in participating in things that are keeping us from the path of life. So let's encourage you right where you are to find a quiet space and just seek Jesus for a moment. On that last question, I believe for somebody, the parts of your life keeping you from the path of everlasting life is the fact that you've never put your faith in Jesus. And praise God in his grace, he gives all of us, whether we believe or not, a general, general gift of his presence, that he's always there. But if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you will not ever experience the indwelling presence of Christ. That inner sense that Emmanuel is with you. And make no mistake about it, Jesus is God in the flesh, died in our place, rose again, and wants to live in your heart. And so if you've never put your faith in him for forgiveness of sins, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. Just silently say this to God. I believe. I believe Jesus, you are God. You died in my place and rose again. So I put my faith in you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Live in my heart. I surrender leadership of my life 
to you. Help me be aware of your presence every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer to put your faith in Jesus, I say it every time. It's the best decision you will ever make. It is the hardest one you will ever live out. And we wanna help you live it out. And so we'd love to know, you should tell somebody and we'd love to be one of those somebodies. And you can do that by texting us the word LIFE to the number on the screen, 63566. Just text the word LIFE to 63566. Or stop by and speak to one of our prayer team members. They would love to know and just give you a gift. It's just some next step tools. And that's all we wanna do. Say thank you, welcome to the family, and here's some next steps we encourage you to take. We would love to be a part of that journey with you. If you have any prayer need whatsoever, you can stop over and meet with our prayer team. Uh, They would love to pray for whatever need you have going on in your life. I'm very thankful that you are here today and trust and pray that God's word spoke to your heart. Next week, we are looking at the ugly sweater of hopelessness. When all hope seems lost, how is Jesus our hope? And I pray you'll come back for that. Love you guys so much. Hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you.